Welcome Pineview community. Happy May 3rd. I'm really bummed that it's not May the 4th so I could give you guys a Star Wars joke. But that's alright. So I know you guys were expecting Pastor tonight but he contacted me and wanted me to help out. He had some things that he had to go take care of today. So you guys are stuck with me. So, <laughs> so today we are going to be talking about faith. Um, and don't worry, it's not going to be 45 slides like it was last time. We're going to keep today a little bit shorter. Um, we are going to be talking about faith today. How many of you know how important faith is in our everyday walk? Amen. It's important in our, in, in our life. It's important with our relationship with Christ. It's an important thing in general. It's a very key aspect of a symbiotic relationship with Christ. So why do we need faith? Brother Carl, why, why do you need faith? Never thought about that question. Well, I'll, I'll let you know why I need faith. I go through a lot of things that I don't know how to deal with. Well, I, I, I deal with a lot of struggles. I deal with a lot of hardships. I deal with a lot of uncertainty in life. You know, I'm a very, very young man. I've got three kids at home. That, that takes a lot of faith to, to raise the three children. And, you know, we're, I just started my business. I need faith in my business. I need faith in general. So for me personally, that's why I need faith, is I've came across a lot of things that I personally didn't know how to handle. I've come across things in life and situations that I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know who I could talk to about it. I didn't know where I could find the answers out. And so faith became a very important role for me. In fact, I don't think I've stopped living in faith the past year and a half. So... In 1 Peter 4 and 10, I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, it says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were, go something strange were happening to you. You know, there's a few scriptures in the Bible that are real similar to this. And for me, this is where I make my connection with faith. When I'm studying for something, I don't know whether it's my dyslexia that has my, my mind go into this train of thought, but I look at the opposite. I look at the opposite end of things. So if I want to study about love, I'll go figure out what the definition of hatred is. And then I'll start to study love because I know what the opposite of love is. And so for me, this is really where I started my journey with faith is when I started reading and 1 Peter 4 and 13, instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will help, so you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all of the world. So there's a few things right there. It says make you partners with Christ. And that's where we get the symbiotic relationship and in his suffering. So we can see that there's something starting to connect there. And these are my two favorite scriptures when I'm dealing with trials. These are the two scriptures that, that form a chain link, something that cannot be broken for me. When I'm going through hardships, when I'm going through, I don't know where my money is going to come from to pay rent this month. I don't know where I'm going to get diapers to 
to so make sure that my girls have clean butts. I don't know where all of this stuff is going through, and and my flesh and my spirit are starting to have this battle. Starting to have this battle. These are two scriptures that I always come back to. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure endure many trials for a little while. For a little while. That's something we should always be remembering. We, we just read three scriptures that said we are going to endure trials. We are going to endure hardships. We're going to come across these things just because we're saved, just because we're Christians, just because we're godly men and women in Christ doesn't mean that we're excluded from all of the hardships of life because God's given us free will. There's a bunch of other stuff that plays into that aspect. But here's something that you can always look back to. We can get prepared for it. We know we're going to endure, we're going to encounter these things. So we shouldn't be surprised. It shouldn't catch us off guard and throw us through a loop when we're coming up against hard times. We know it's only going to last for a little little while. We can already see the light at the end of the tunnel. Whether you're moving to that light as fast as you want to or not, well, that's where we got to start working on patience. And James 1 and 3, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So there's growth that comes from these trials. And when, you know, I was a wrestler, and that was one of my biggest strengths out on the mat. That was one of my strongest things, is I wasn't the strongest out there, and I was not the most skilled. But I did have one thing that 80% of the rest of the people didn't have, is I pushed myself to the absolute max, as if I was wrestling the last match and the last period, every second of practice. My endurance, my my stamina was far above everybody else's. I was so strong-minded that I was not going to let the state champion beat me, that I'm going to give him a fight, that we get into the third period, and he's sitting there... His endurance wasn't at the same level as mine was. So I was able to take advantage of that situation because I had prepared myself to go longer, to go harder, to go stronger than anybody else. So in maybe in that last 10 seconds of that match when the guy has nothing left in his gas tank, I still had a quarter tank that I could draw from. So this really, this really struck a chord with me that your faith had, that you know your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. When our endurance grows, the problems that we were dealing with prior are easier to handle because it's not such a big problem. The problem was this big, our endurance was this big. Our endurance is this big, now the problem's this big. So I still have half a gas tank to deal with the rest of the problems that I'm going through, but that problem's done already because I've put myself in a place to allow my endurance to grow because I understand that my faith is going to be tested. I'm going to go through hardship, so I'm not going to sit there and let the devil beat me down. I'm not going to sit there and let my spirit and my flesh battle for too long because, yeah, it, it, it still battles. I still have thoughts roll across my mind like, where, where are you going to get that rent money from? Where are you going to get that rent money from? What, what are you going to do with this? Your car just broke down. How are you going to get to work? How are you going to do that? 
all right, yeah, all of that might be true, but my endurance, I've been through this before and I came out the other side because my God is always victorious. He loves me. There's nothing that my God's not going to do for me. And so when we allow our faith to grow through endurance, it also strengthens our faith. And a strong faith is very crucial. And 1 Peter 1 and 7, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Ooh, there we are again. These trials will show your faith is genuine. So there's another outcome to these trials that we're going to go through. There's another outcome that we can look at. Instead of looking at the mud, we can see the clear water on the other side of the mud. Your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Jesus is revealed to the whole world. You know, it's not just at the end of the world that God's going to sit there and smile on you when you use faith to get through your hardships. It's going to be revealed to the rest of the world, but God's still sitting down there smiling because we've entered this symbiotic relationship with him through faith, which we're getting ready to, getting ready to go through. So there's a few key things in here as fire tests and purifies gold. When fire purifies a metal, it burns out all of the impurities in it. It's got to go through a reformment in order to get to that specific value. For iron to become hard enough to become a sword, it has to have the rest of the impurities from the iron ore burned out in order to become stronger. So all of these things, we can relate this back to our endurance growing. When we get, when we get put into the fire, it feels like and you know, Things aren't, things aren't comfortable, that means things are leaving. We're giving our faith a chance to grow. In Hebrews 11 and 1, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. In Hebrews 11 and 6, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So we know faith is a crucial part to God now. Faith isn't just on our half. There's the symbiotic relationship. Here, here's, here's some requirements by God. And we already know what we, somewhat of what we need faith for. So we can't have faith in Jesus and believe that there's a God because it's written in John and throughout the rest of rest of the Bible that God was Jesus God was man wrapped in man God God was Jesus he was God's spirit wrapped in flesh and so without faith in Jesus we know that the only way to God is through Jesus if we don't have faith that Jesus did exist we can't enter into that new covenant because we no longer 
partake of the of the law of Moses. We no longer partake of the original covenant made by God and man. So it's very crucial that we have faith so we can start to enter in to the new covenant as well. So there's a little bit of aspect right there. We have to have faith that Jesus existed, that Jesus is real because Jesus is the way to God, that no no man will get to God but through Jesus. So we have to have have that faith there. And, well, if, if we don't have faith, how are we going to get to him? How are we going to please, please him? So it explains a little bit of Hebrews. Um, so in Mark 4 and 40... Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? This was something, um, you know, I read this story multiple times, multiple times, and then one day it just hit, hit me a little different. Like, y'all just witnessed these miracles. You guys just witnessed all of these miracles. You just watched bread and fish appear in a basket after it was empty. You guys just watched the beginning of all of these miracles. You guys are out in the middle of a storm, freaking out, standing next to the one who performed those miracles, the one who fed all of these people, the one who did all of this stuff. You guys don't have enough faith? You guys don't really believe that Jesus is the Messiah, do you? You're, you're seeing these miracles, you're seeing all of these things, and you're in the boat with them, and you think that that boat's just going to drown? And he tells them, why are you afraid? Do you have no faith? So when we're going through life, that's something, that's something we should remember. Why, why are you afraid? Do you not have faith in me? Brandon, why, why, why do you think that I'm going to open a door for your calling and not take care of your finances? Why do you think that I'm going to open these doors when you and your family are exceeding? You think I'm just going to let you, let you fall and fail and... You're, you're not going to be able to accomplish what I've called you to do because you don't think that I'm going to help provide for you? And so, where does your faith lie? Do, do you not have the faith? Do you not believe in the faith? Or do you just simply don't believe that God can do that for you? So, we just learned what faith is. I also equate faith in a simplistic terms as trust. When we're dealing with issues of faith, it's a lot easier to explain in a on-the-corner situation with somebody. Faith equals trust. If you don't trust God, you have no faith in God. Do you trust God to take care of your situation? Do you have faith that God will take care of you? I really equate those two. So... You know, I was listening um, to, Ter to Derek Prince. I, I love a lot of his stuff. And, um, and he'll say this in just about all of his stuff is, when he first started his relationship with God, he saw that faith was important in order to perform the works that God was calling him to do. And he says that, but I don't have that kind of faith. Can, can I obtain that kind of faith? And so... You can. I'm here to tell you, you, you can obtain that faith. And in Romans, it gives us a little glimpse, a little glimpse on how we do that. So faith comes from hearing, 
That is hearing the good news about Christ. It is so good. It is so good because it covers such a wide variety of things. That statement right there covers such a wide variety of things and just, just a very short, simplistic thing. Hearing that is, faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. The good news was the commission. The good news was that Christ came down in the form of Jesus, died for us. We're no longer tied by the law. We now have, now, now we can live by grace and mercy. Now we have the Holy Spirit. It covers such a broad thing and it really opens up the conversation for a lot of, a lot of different talks, a lot of different avenues. But without going through and reading the gospel, you're not going to start to obtain this faith without hearing the good news of what God did for you personally. You're not going to understand, understand it, and you're not going to you're not going to be able to grab a hold of that faith that you that you need. So in First John, we we start to get into a little bit more of the symbiotic relation. We start to learn a little bit more about what God requires, what we require, and how they tie together to create a really strong faith. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. In John 4.16, we know how much God loves, First John 4.16, we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So this was something that, um, you know, there's a scripture that says that we're going to do greater and more abundant works than Jesus. And I remember talking to Dan, and I'm like, you know, I just went through, and First John 4, 16 hit me. I've been wondering, like, how am I going to raise the dead? How am I going to do all of this? Which, by the way... Raising the dead is still considered milk for all of those that like little facts. Um, we, how, how are we going to do all of this? Like, how, how is Brandon Obajinski going to minister to more people than Jesus did? How am I going to do greater works than what Jesus did? Well, First John four sixteen. We have put our trust in His love. We got to know how much he loves us. Every time I'm going through a hard situation, that's all I got to remember to snap my faith close again is, God loves you, Brandon. You really think he's going to let that happen to you? God loves you. You really think that he's going to lead you astray down that path? God is love. And who, and all who live in love live in God. Oh, I, I've got to, I've got to, I've got a home inside of God's heart. I've got a home inside of God's... Oh, wait a minute. God's got a home inside of my heart. We have that symbiotic relationship. So if we understand how much God loves us, we can add that to back up our faith. If we know how much God of us, we can add that into our faith to make our faith stronger, to grow our faith. Because if we understand God's love... 
God love expels all fear. Half of the time when you're dealing with faith, with dealing with issues that you need faith with, it's because you're going through something that causes fear in your life. It's because you're going through a fearful situation. It's because you're going through something that causes anxiety in your life. It's something that makes you uneasy, which are all symptoms of fear. But we know God's perfect love expels all fear. I got to have faith that God loves me to expel this fear. Because when I put my faith that God loves me, that fear has no place inside of my heart. Because that heart is now just abundantly filled with God. And if I've got God living inside of me, and I'm living inside of God's heart, I've got the Holy Spirit to interpret my deepest heart's desires when I don't know exactly what I'm dealing with, what's causing these issues in my life. I can, I can start talking in my heavenly tongue. And now that symbiotic relationship, I always pictured it like the old school telephones. You have, you have somebody plugging a wire in here to your next phone call right here. That's how I view, view the Holy Spirit and picture in my mind when I'm praying. He's plugging and playing and making a direct link to God for me. So I have this direct line that I can call on him and tell him what's causing all of this fear, what's causing all of this stuff that makes me feel like I'm not good enough. All of this heartache that makes me feel like, you know what, Brandon? You could be doing a whole lot better as a father. You could be doing all of this other stuff. But I have that direct link with God. And he's like, Brandon, look at where you were, where you are now. Brandon, look at what you're doing. Look at, look at the progress your family has made. I understand your flesh and your spirit are battling, but I'm here to calm those waves. I didn't let the disciples drown. I'm not going to let you drown. So when we put our faith with love and we make, a, we make a connection with God, that's something to make our faith even stronger that we can draw from. And in Hebrews 12 and 2, how do you keep the faith, though? When it gets too overwhelming, when all of your bills are due, when you just got in, when you just lost your job out of the blue, when you got laid off, when your kids flunked out of school or got expelled and it was their last strike, when, when you're going through all of this other stuff and things just overwhelm, the devil's like, all right, we're not letting you get past this wall. Here's this arrow. Here's that arrow. Here's a fiery dart. Here's a tidal wave. Here's this. Here's that. Let's see you get out of that now. Where's your faith at? You're so surrounded by problems that you're not going to know how to deal with your faith. I've been in that situation where I've had so many things come against me to where my faith didn't... I had to remind myself where my faith came from and how to keep the faith during these times. Because walking by faith isn't always the easiest thing to do. Sometimes it feels like I'm, I'm walking, out, walking out on water to go meet Jesus in the water. And I just looked at the storm and now I'm slowly starting to sink. I started off strong. I started off strong. Alright God, you, you, told, you gave me a promise with this business. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. I had 200 in my bank account. I had 100 in my bank account. This is going on. That's going on. Oh no. Oh, wait a minute. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. 
He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in a place of honor beside God's throne. We do this by keeping our eyes on God. If the disciple's name um, ran out of my mind, but if he would have just kept his eyes on Jesus, he wouldn't have started to drown inside of the ocean. He would have been able to walk out to Jesus, grab his hand, and walk back with him. But he took his eyes off of the Lord. When we're going through issues and going through problems, I didn't, we had a house, we had a tree fall on my house. And during that big ice storm that we had, no money to go move somewhere. What, what, no, no money, no proof of income. I just started my business. That's, that's a pretty big thing. When you're in the middle of winter, you've got newborn twins, you've got a three-year-old, you don't have proof of income, and you feel like you're trapped inside of a broken house going from place to place to place just to make sure that your family's safe. That was pretty, pretty overwhelming as a father. But I was able to keep my eyes on Jesus because I was taking care of his household. And I remember having this conversation with the Lord, sitting here inside of the church, painting the walls, and I'm like, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do right now. I don't know what I'm going to do. But what I do know is if I hand this battle over to you, you're going to fight this battle for me. So I'm applying the same word to my actions right now. Instead of stressing out about my house, I am going to continue to take care of your house. Because I know if I take care of your house, you are going to take care of my house. And so it was a very um, surreal moment between me and God me coming to him as a father. So it was a father-father conversation right there. Saying, Lord, you've entrusted me with your children to raise them, to watch after them. I've done everything that I can do. I don't know what we're going to do right now. But what I do know is I'm not going to take my eyes off of you. I know that I'm not going to stop putting my faith and my trust in you. I know that if I continue to take care of your household, you're going to take care of my household. And so we, we, we end up finding, finding somewhere that I felt like that I could afford. But once again, no proof of income. No, nothing to show how much money I'm making right now. Going into a house with $1,600 payment. I remember I'm sitting at Travis's house and I got a hold of this lady. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, Lord. Uh, I'm going to step out in faith because I know what your word says, and so I'm going to step out in faith. I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit around idle. And so I start messaging her. I'm like, "Well, what if I can put up six months worth of? What if we do a six months six month lease? I can pay the full six months in advance, and that full that full lease will be taken care of. And then after that six months, I'll have proof of income. You guys will see that I made the money. Well, the the Lowest lease that we do is 13 months. I'm like, all right, well, the offer still stands. What if I pay six months in advance? Would you guys be willing to take, take a chance? And so we go through, we go through this probably about a five, six day um, conversation. There were 13 people that had offers in on this house. 13 people, you guys. Let me remind you, I don't have proof of income. 
I don't have anything to show that I can afford to live in this place. And I also have a dog, three children, and that's really not what you want to hear when you're a renter, when, when you own the house and you're renting it. So things weren't really stacking up for us. But I remember having this conversation with my wife. I told her that, babe, you need to start packing up the house. And she's like, why? We don't even know if we got it yet. I was like, do you believe that God's going to work this out for us? Yes, I do. Do you think God's going to take care of this for us? Yes, I do. I was like, then why are you sitting around? Why are we sitting around idle waiting to see if God works this out? We're going to put our faith in him that he has already worked it out. So when we get the news that the house is ours, all of our stuff is ready to pack and we can go move in that exact day. Well, babe, you don't even have the money for it. I was like, it doesn't matter. God's going to work it out. God's going to work it out. And so she gets back to me. She's like, yeah, they, they said they would... Um, they, they'd like to proceed. Is there any way that you can show how much you can put down on the place? Because this was, we're talking like $12,000 putting down. I checked my bank account all that week. My taxes had not came in. My taxes had not came in. I had no physical way to prove that I had $12,000 to give to you guys to move into this house. But I'm sitting here telling this lady, yeah, I can make a $12,000 payment today if you need me to. Absolutely, I can, I, I can get you guys this money. Like, just give me a few hours and I'll go pull it from the bank. It's not in my bank account. I got off the phone, I looked at my bank account and $12,000 was in my bank account. I checked it before the phone call. It wasn't there. I checked it after the phone call. This is a 20 minute conversation. In 20 minutes, the IRS put $12,000 in my account because God pushed it along. When you work, when you put your faith in God and you take action to prove that faith, because when we put our faith in God, it shows how much that we, how much we love Him. It shows, all right, Lord, I'm going to let go of my situation and let you take care of it. As a father, that's very hard for me to do. I want to be in control of what's going on with my family's future. I want to make sure that they're safe, they're secure. But sometimes, sometimes it causes for a little bit of faith. Sometimes it causes you to step out of your comfort zone and do some things that don't make sense. You know, I've, I've got another example. I went and bought a sprayer. I've I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, Lord, you gave me a promise. I need a new sprayer. I'm going to go buy this sprayer, and I'm, I'm putting my faith that you're going to provide the work for me. I just got a contract, a subcontract at McKinley to where that sprayer is going to be paid off within two weeks. When you allow faith to work, you can see what happens. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. When our eyes are on Jesus, it doesn't allow for the negative comments to start overwhelming you. You can focus on God's love. You can focus on what he's done for you in the past. Because I got a record of things like this that God's done for me and he's not done yet. In Galatians 2 and 16, yet we know that a person is made right, made right by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law, and we have, hold on, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, 
not by obeying the law, and we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. So I got a little ahead of myself about 10-15 minutes ago, but this is this is the transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. Without our faith in Christ, we can't we can't achieve what God's calling us for. We can't get to go dwell with God without our faith in Christ. And I'll try to keep this one short, Pastor, I promise. And Ephesians 6 and 13, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after that battle, you will be standing firm. So the piece of armor we're going to focus on right here is our shield of faith. You know, there's there's a lot of other um, a lot of other things that play into faith from the armor in this scenario, but the main the main main piece we're going to talk about right now is the shield. You know, most people think of the shield as the circle shield, as a gladiator shield. Well, I think the depiction in this time would have been a Roman shield. A Roman shield is not small. Roman shield comes up to your chin. It's long. You can put your entire body behind it. And when you have a legion of Roman soldiers, you can actually create a wall and then create a roof. So when you have oncoming arrows flying at you, there's, there's no way for those to penetrate. The shield is also one of our strongest weapons against just about everything. Um, it's also the most easily wielded offensive weapon that we can use without causing harm. Because when the devil's throwing attacks my way, I'm saying, all right, well, I'm going to fight this with my faith. I'm going to put my shield up and I'm going to continue to walk because you're not going to stop me in my tracks. My shield's going to take the brunt of it. You're not getting through the shield. I've strengthened my armor. We're going to put that shield up and we're going to, that allows us to continue to put one foot in front of another. Put one foot in front of another. Put one foot in front of another. It allows the enemy to throw all he wants at it, but it's not going to penetrate. It's not, it's not going to, it's not going to, deal a vital blow. Yeah, we might be a little bruised, but we're still standing firm. He hasn't taken us out. And when we incorporate all of the other pieces of armor together, I I impiction it more so not as armor that we would think of from Roman time or modern day armor. I This might be my Star Wars again, but I impicture more of a force field. I impicture a sphere that the devil can't penetrate, that just surrounds us. I don't in picture a breastplate. I am, they're individual pieces, and when we put them all together, I, I see this almost globe of God's protection, his hand around us that nothing can, nothing can penetrate. And so when we, when we put our shield up and continue to walk, it says, all right, I know what I'm up against. But what I'm up against isn't going to stop me because I'm equipped to handle this. I'm equipped through my faith to handle what you're throwing at me. I'm equipped to be able to defend myself. 
I'm equipped, and if you, and if I need a second piece of defensive armor, I've got the sword of the spirit. Because if I don't have my shield, I can use my sword as a defensive weapon, just as anybody would on a battlefield. If you don't have a shield, you're not going to block the sword with your forearm guard. You're going to block that attack with your sword. So I have all of these other pieces of defensive armor that I can utilize to continue to walk forward, to continue to push through. Faith is a key aspect of our relationship with Christ. It is one way we show how much we love him. When we walk in faith, that shows how, we, how much trust we have in him to handle our situations and what's going on. We know how much he loves us, so we can, we can have great faith that he always has our hand upon us. And so this is really where I get drawn back to a lot in, in my walk with faith. This is really what I always have to remind myself, what my faith is at this point in time is for my faith is for me personally right now my faith is to get me through to the next day my faith is to give me reassurance that god is here fighting my battles for me if i would only stop trying to fight them myself and hand them over to god i would see the victory so much sooner and through endurance i've learned how to start letting that go I've learned how to start handling these battles over to God and let my faith do the work for me. Though I'm not doing anything, I'm allowing my faith to work alongside with God. And I've seen, the, I've seen what it produces in an exponential rate. I've seen how much within a year I've gone from being an alcoholic who can't, who who goes from job to job. I've gone from all of this stuff to now having a sound household, three children. I own my own business. I have a house now. That's not something that I personally could have done by myself, but through my walk in faith, everything has came. Everything has came to fruition. Everything that God's told me that he would do when I stopped trying to do it myself and allow my faith to take over that situation, I've seen the fruit produced out of it, out of it, because I've worked the soil, I've planted the seeds, I've done what I've needed to, and now through faith, it's grown, and I've been able to harvest that, harvest that. And so, what else is faith for? Faith, faith has a vital role in what God's calling to, calling you to do as well. So. In James 2 and 14, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anybody? We can't just say that we have faith and not pack our house up believing that God's going to give us that house. We packed that house up and God gave us the house. I, I went out and I bought that sprayer and God provided the jobs. I went out and I put that application into that job or that position I didn't think I was going to get, and God will work that out. That applies in our everyday life. We can't just have faith and sit by and be like, all right, Lord, I've got faith that you're going to work this out, but I, I don't want to do anything. I, I don't want to do my part. I'm just going to let you work everything out, and I'm going to let you give it to me on a silver platter while I sit here and wait on you. It's not really how it works. We, we, still, we still 
when God says go, we have to be ready to go. If, if Noah didn't build the ark, when the floods came in, he would have died with the rest of them. He had faith that God was going to save him from this mystic rain that nobody's ever heard of or seen before in, their, in the entire time of, of the earth. Lord, you want me to build a boat? What's a... What? Rain? No. Rain, rain's at the lake. Rain doesn't fall from the sky. Alright, I'm, I'm going to put my faith that, you're, that your word is true and what you're saying isn't going to make me look like a complete and absolute fool for the rest of my life because what I'm telling people to get ready, faith saved no. And it saved so many others. But he took action. He built the boat. Moses went and grabbed the children of Israel and led them out. There's so <laughs> David didn't slay Samuel to take his rightful position after he was driven away from his house, from his land, and forced to go live with the same people he'd been doing battle with his entire life. He had faith that God was going to work everything out. And we see that we see the fruit of all of that in the Old Testament through those things. And it's the same same as today. We have to be able to, we have to put action with our faith. So in James 2 and 17, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is, it is dead and useless. James 2 and 18. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't do good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. That one hits home for me, you guys. Because by showing my good, de good, good deeds for me that was living in love, for me that was buying my paint crew, that I was working for pizza when our boss didn't even come and drop off power aids for us on a 90 degree day when we're working on outside. I didn't have the money for, I, I didn't have the money to buy my crew pizza and then go home and pay for a meal for my family, but my faith in my good deeds. Somehow when I got home, we had an entire thing of food. We had, we had, we had things already already planned out for us when we when we take action and start producing good deeds and incorporate with our faith it allows us to start working it allows us to start flowing and james 2 and 22 you see his faith and his actions work together his actions made his faith complete made his faith complete what do you mean made his faith complete there's there's the symbiotic relationship, and it's the same with our faith. Our faith is for us, but our faith is also for other people. And Matthew 21, 21, then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. Matthew 17, 20, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told him. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, and we know how small a mustard seed is because Brother Xavier did such a wonderful job explaining all of that for us. Um, you could say to this mountain, move, 
move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. So, our, our faith can make things happen. Our faith can make things happen, and we're about to see a little bit more of that. And Acts, Acts of Apostles 3 and 16, Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you now, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Luke eighteen forty two. And Jesus said, "All right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you." Luke seven and fifty. And Jesus said to the woman, "Your faith has saved you. Go in peace." Luke eight and forty eight. Daughter. He said to her, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Luke 17 and 19. And Jesus said to the man, Stand up. Go. Your faith has healed you. Matthew 21, 22. You can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. So, are, are, are you telling me that in order, in, in order to see these miracles start happening, we have to have faith in them? Are you saying in order to heal the sick and heal the, and heal the blind and raise the dead, we have to have faith that it's actually going to happen? You mean I can't just half-heartedly think and pray that, Lord, heal her. Your faith has to be inside of it. I was reminded when I reminded of this by the Spirit when I was praying for a situation with my family. I was praying for healing over my family. And I'm sitting there praying, me and my wife are praying, and I'm Lord and I'm saying, Lord, please heal this situation. Lord, please heal this situation. Lord, please heal this situation. And the Spirit said, Where is your faith? And I was like, You're right. In the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus, the situation has been healed. That situation was healed. When I switched once I realized that I wasn't putting all my faith that this could happen because I thought it was an obstacle that I didn't know if it, if it would be done or not. I didn't know, but I was going to pray for it and see what happened. When I put all of my faith into it, that situation was healed. And it was healed instantly. There was no slow progression of it getting better, better, better. No, that situation was gone. That, that issue was no longer. It had left our house and it has not entered back into our home since then. And so faith is very vital. It's, um, you know, the woman with the, with the blood issue. I, I personally think, some might disagree, and that, that's alright if you do, I personally believe that the woman with the blood issue was a menstrual cycle issue. And by the old law, she was considered unclean. So because of the issue that she had, she was considered unclean. She was not allowed inside of the tabernacle. She was, not in, she was not allowed inside of holy places. She was not allowed to be in general vicinity of anybody because of this blood issue that she had because it made her unclean and nobody wanted to be unclean and so we know that she had great faith because Jesus felt it came out Jesus stopped in the midst of having an entire crowd of people pushing into him he felt something transfer 
I think her faith was so set that this man can heal me, that I can finally live a normal life. I can finally go and socialize with people. I can finally not feel like I'm damned to hell, that I have no life, that I can't do anything, that I got to stay on the outskirts of town because everything I touch, everywhere I go is now deemed unclean. And I don't want to have... I don't want to have repeat issues. Now I'm looking at being stoned. Now all of this other stuff, Lord, I just need you to heal me from this so I can be clean. Her faith, without, without anything, just a touch of a rope, just the touch of his garment. She had so much faith in him that she was healed. In 1 John... 2 and 13, I am writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ, who exceeded, who exceeded from the beginning. I am writing to you who are young in faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. So faith, faith plays a very vital role no matter what walk you are in with Christ. If you're just coming to Christ... It plays a very vital role because faith can show you how much God loves you because you haven't experienced his true love yet. So by placing a little bit of faith in God and seeing the fruit from it, oh, you, you do love me, God. I'm going to trust you with something a little bit larger now. Oh, my life's getting better now. All right. All right. It continually grows. And for us that are mature in the faith, we just read that it takes faith to do these miracles. It takes faith to do what God has called us to do. He said that we we're going to cast out demons. He said that we're going to raise the dead. He said we're going to heal the sick. We're going to, even when we're praying, praying somebody through, through the Holy Ghost, it requires faith. Because our faith is intertwined with our love. And our love is intertwined with God. And so now we're making this stronger connection with God through our faith, through our love. All right, yeah, I'm, I, I'm going to know my Bible. I'm, I'm going to study. I've, I've prayed for a million dollars in faith a hundred times, and I'm still having to work every single day. But I also know that praying for that million dollars isn't according to God's will. I also know that it doesn't meet all of the other requirements for that prayer to be accepted just like that. And so we know that faith has a very vital role no matter what aspect of walk we are in with Christ. So we're, this is where we're going to end it off in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourself. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. So you mean, even though I'm being tested all the time, I still got to test my faith? No, just make sure your faith is put in the right things. Make sure that your faith is in God and not in the words of man. Because the word of man is always going to let you down. Make sure that your faith is in that deep root. And in Mark eleven twelve, this is always a good place to end. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God.
when nothing else seems to be going right, when nothing else seems to be working, that is one thing that you can always come back to. Like I said, I have my scriptures that I always come back to in faith. This is a very simple one. Have faith in God. Amen. So, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I wanted it to be a little shorter for you guys, but I came from a very long-winded line of preachers, so we're, we're working on that. We're, we're working on it. We're about 12 minutes shorter than last time. I grew up in the time frame of three-hour Bible studies, two-a-day two a church sessions, and we didn't leave in between. I was here before church started, and I, we were the last ones to leave. So I hope, I hope it wasn't too long for you guys. I hope you guys really took some things out of this, and I really hope that it encouraged you guys to keep your faith. Keep your faith in the strongest and the hardest of times because God has a 100% success rate. If you're going through something, you are still here. God is still working. God is still able. Where is your faith at? Put your faith back into the Lord. Stop trying to do everything by yourself. He has given us a wide array of things to be able to call on. Read your Bible. Get to know what those things are. If you want to have deeper knowledge a little quicker, we have an entire line of ministers here at the church that would absolutely love to sit down and teach a Bible study with you. We have service at 1035 on Sunday. We have children's ministry, which is up and going. So for all of those parents that have three kids like I do, children's ministry is phenomenal. You get a break. You get to socialize with adults without having to change diapers. You don't have to grab the goldfish. None of that. You can send them back there and Courtney will take care of them. For all the preteens, we have Club 56 going now as well too. We have the amazing youth group. So no matter what your needs are, we are here to love you. We are here to provide for you guys. We are here to help you guys grow. So we are going to go ahead and end it off with a prayer. Lord, thank you for being my provider. Lord, thank you for being my father. Thank you for being my comforter. Though I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, you have always been standing there alongside of me. You have carved my path in the wilderness and you stand alongside of me. Your hand is always there to reach out when I need help. Your ear is always there to listen when I need to cry out. Lord, I thank you for the relationship. I thank you for the symbiotic relationship. I thank you for the ties. I thank you for everything that you've done in our life. I thank you for everything you're going to do in our life. Lord, you are the great provider. And I hope that you remind me of that every single day. I rely on your strength to get through the day, and you rely on my love. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In your name.